0: Not to my knowledge, sir.
1: And welcome to episode number 170 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. A lot to go through today, and I think the best place to start is with the continuing fallout from the events that happened at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021, Some people call it a riot. Some people calling it an insurrection. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden saying it's just as bad, if not worse, than what happened on 9-11 and at Pearl Harbor. So it's an interesting event that is no question being used for political purposes. Ted Cruz made some comments over the last week or so that were taken. It's very anti-Donald Trump, very anti-Republican, and it's all this political stuff. I don't think everybody has to agree with everything that their party says or does. That's a very dangerous thing. But Ted Cruz, when it comes to January 6th, at least what he's asking about this week, has taken an interesting turn, and it's something... That the conspiracy theorists out there will love. And normally, I don't really care too much about the conspiracy theory stuff because most of it is usually so unproven, you know, it's never going to be proven. I mean, every now and then, maybe one of these things comes out to be true. But most of the time, if there's no hard evidence behind something, it's never going to be uncovered, even if it is true. But what Ted Cruz is asking about now harkens back to what Donald Trump dealt with throughout the first, well, pretty much all of his presidency. I was going to say the start, but it really happened all the way through the presidency with the Russian collusion, the Mueller investigation, Mueller investigation. How do you say it? Mueller, Mueller? Well, it doesn't matter. The Peter Strzok, Lisa Page thing, where it seemed quite possible that there was a subset in the FBI that was anti-Donald Trump. And if you're a subset of the FBI that's anti-Donald Trump, most likely you're anti the Republican Party. I don't think it was just aimed at Donald Trump. I think it was a political ideology that was steering what they were doing. Now, Ted Cruz this week got to question a senior FBI official, her name Jill Sanborn, her title executive assistant director of the FBI's national security branch. And these questions had to do with the events on January 6 and the day before January 5 And whether or not some of the people involved were in fact FBI assets, informants, something connected with the federal branch that's supposed to enforce the laws. It seems that Ted Cruz has questions about, and we have an audio clip in this clip, he's going to ask about the FBI's involvement. On January 6th, he's going to ask specifically about a guy named Ray Epps, who is a former Marine that has shown up on some of the video and then disappeared from the video where the FBI was looking for information. And the reality is that it seems possible that Mr. Epps was working at the behest of the FBI. So here's that audio. I did a little bit of editing, one, because there was some bounce back, because this was a remote question and answer, because, you know, COVID, and there were a lot of long pauses between Mr. Cruz's question and Ms. Sanborn's answer, and I reduced that so it would save a little bit of time. And I also reduced that because I'm not sure if this was an in-person questioning, I would say, wow, this woman's taking... An unusually long time to answer the question. Even though it was remote, I still think it was a little bit long. But when you're dealing with these remote things, there could be lag and all of that. So benefit of the doubt here. But here is the interaction between Ted Cruz and FBI Executive Assistant Director of National Security. I want to turn
2: to the FBI.
1: How many FBI
2: agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th?
0: Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh,
2: Did any FBI agents or confidential informants 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 actively participate in the the events of January 6th? 6th, Yes or no?
0: Sir, I can't answer that.
2: Did any FBI agents agents or confidential informants informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th?
0: I can't answer that, sir.
2: Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite Crimes of Violence on January 6th?
0: Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn,
2: who is Ray Epps?
0: I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him.
2: Well, there are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow... We need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed?
0: Sir, I cannot answer that question.
2: The next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades?
0: Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that.
2: Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information identifying, offering cash rewards, leading to information leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's exchange, explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sandburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on january 6th
1: not to my knowledge sir thank you so that's some interesting stuff i think the fact that the fbi can't answer any questions about especially this guy ray epps again former marine was on the steps of the capitol saying hey we're gonna have to get in here tomorrow and the crowd (laughs) i love the fact that the crowd a donald trump crowd would listen to that and go yeah, you're a Fed. You're trying to entrap us. You're trying to encourage violence because we've learned over the past however many years that the FBI could be quite corrupt when it comes to dealing with Russia Gate, Russian collusion, whatever you want to call it. Now, the House committee on January 6th, and we talked about them in the last episode, they actually have a Twitter account, which I found to be quite. Disturbing on so many levels. But they said that the claim that Epps was an FBI informant was unsupported. Which, again, pay attention when you're dealing with politics or anything really, but especially politics and government agencies and people that are bright enough to understand what words mean. Listen to the words that they use very carefully. The committee says it was unsupported. It doesn't say it wasn't true. It says it's an unsupported claim. It doesn't say it's an untrue claim. And another tweet said, "Quote: The committee has interviewed Epps. Epps informed us that he was not employed by working with or acting at the direction of any law enforcement agency on January 5th or 6th, or at any other time." And that he has never been an informant for the FBI or any other law enforcement agency. So they're just saying what he said. They're not saying he has never been an informant. They're saying he says he's never been an informant. That's two different things. To say somebody definitely is not something and saying, well, they said they're not. Different things. Never employed by working at the direction of any law enforcement agency. I mean, I guess that's kind of true, but he was a Marine, so that's not law enforcement, but it is military, and definitely this guy has a background that I think you'd want to look into. The fact that he told somebody something, and then five seconds later, that person went and started tearing down the barricades. The fact that he was saying the day before that we have to get inside the Capitol, a video from him went viral while he was wearing a Trump MAGA hat. I'm assuming it's a MAGA hat. They said it was a Trump hat, but this seems to be, if you're looking to create a narrative, which the left has been trying to do against Donald Trump since he decided to run for office, well, this would seem to go right down that checklist. Again, all of this unproven, all of this very much in the conspiracy theory realm. But I thought it was interesting that Ted Cruz has picked up on this, is asking questions to the FBI. And as usual, when the government agencies say they can't answer something, you might want to look further into it. You might want to really do what you can to get to the truth. And hopefully that will be the case in what actually happened on January 6th. I think that. People would look at it in a completely different light if they realized that the people that set the fire, the people that initially started the violence, the people that initially started breaking down the doors to get into the Capitol, if they were connected to the FBI or they were connected to Antifa or they were connected to one of these other groups that was very much anti-Donald Trump. I think that sheds things in a different light. So it's something to pay attention to, something to keep an eye on. And we will do that here at the Random Thoughts podcast. One of the other stories that caught my eye this past week was one of model Brooks Nader, who is a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, among other things, was out in New York City and had an Apple. Device called an air tag put into her coat, which allowed somebody to track her as she went between a few different bars and then started walking home. And this is an important story for anybody about privacy, about safety, about the technology that is currently available for people to track you and things you can do to try to keep yourself safe. I mean, you're never going to be safe, especially in New York City right now, but you can definitely be safer if you understand the technology that's out there and how it works and what you can do. The Apple AirTag is about the size of a coin. There is a battery inside of it. They last about a year and they give off a Bluetooth signal they might use a different frequency as well. But the concept with these air tags was pretty simple. People lose stuff all the time, and you can put these in a thing, which is basically the size of a small key ring keychain kind of a thing. So if you lose your keys all the time, you put a keychain on it with one of these Apple air tags, and if you can't find your keys, you pick up your Apple phone or Apple iPad. And it will tell you where the device is. If it's in the same room, same building, it'll give you, you know, it'll tell you It'll point to it. It's like over there, go over there, dummy, your keys are over there. And these devices are so small that it's not hard to put them into somebody's bag, slip them into somebody's coat, which it sounds like what happened to Ms. Nader. Her coat was on the back of her chair. Somebody walked behind however they did it and slipped it into a pocket. And if you're not looking for this device, it's pretty easy to miss. And if somebody has a little extra time with your bag or with your coat or whatever and can slip it into the lining, it would be quite hard to find unless you were really looking for it. Apple claims that the AirTags are safe, saying that they are, quote, designed to discourage unwanted tracking. If someone else's AirTag finds its way into your stuff, your iPhone will notice it's traveling with you and send you an alert. After a while, if you still haven't found it, the AirTag will start playing a sound to let you know that it's there. Of course, if you happen to be with a friend who has an AirTag or on a train with a bunch of people, don't worry. These alerts are triggered only when an AirTag is separated from its owner. Okay. So that means if you have a friend who has a keychain with this on it and you two are bar hopping all night, you're not going to get the alert because it's moving along with your friend's phone as well. But what happened with Ms. Nader was after multiple bars and then finally as she was walking home alone, which she said was not the smartest thing to do, the Apple phone gave her an alert that said, Hey, there's a tracker on you which is enough to make somebody terrified. I believe if you're alone in a city like New York and you get an alert that somebody has put a tracker on you, it doesn't even matter if the person was ever going to do anything nefarious or what. Just slipping that tracker onto your person, knowing you're going to get that alert, I think would freak a lot of people out. That something right out of a horror movie like, you're being tracked, the call's coming from inside of the house. And the reality here is these Apple devices, oh, yeah, it's nice, Apple, that you gave an alert to Ms. Nader or anybody that's being tracked by these devices. But if somebody is using an Android phone, you're not going to get that alert. You are not going to know you're being tracked unless you know that there is an app that Apple put out there for Android phone users. To do nothing, it seems, but detect these devices and let you know you have an unwanted tracker on your person, which is good that that app is out there, but then it's bad because then Apple's getting your information. I mean, it's a catch 22, I suppose, but if you have an Android device and you're worried about being tracked by an Apple AirTag, there is an app that you can use that will detect that. So you can download that. Called uh, tracker detect, but there are other devices out there. Apple is not the only one with this technology. The AirTag is not the only device like it. There is a one called Tile, and I'm sure there are other ones out there that basically do the same thing. Now, the Apple AirTag, the way this works, if you leave your keys at a bar or at the library, wherever you leave this tracker, and then you're looking for it, how does the device that you have. How does your phone know where this is? Well, there are so many iPhones out there that anybody's iPhone within range will report the GPS location of that tracker back to the person who originally purchased it. Now, that's my biggest question with this story on Ms. Nader is somebody had to purchase this AirTag. They had to put it onto an Apple account which means they are somewhat trackable. I mean, I guess maybe if you buy an iPhone that is unlocked on eBay or something like that, maybe there's a way to separate yourself and your identity from that, but it becomes quite a bit harder. But still, be aware that it's quite easy for somebody to slip one of these devices onto your person, and in this case, You have a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model who was walking home when she was notified. I don't know how far she was from her home. I'm guessing not far because she was walking. Then the person that placed that tracking device in her coat would have her home address. Not a good thing. So what can you do to make sure this doesn't happen to you? Well, one, pay very close attention if anybody is around your belongings. Don't leave your coat or bags unattended if you have to. Thoroughly check them out. Look for little metal items that might have been slipped into whatever it is that you've got. Be very careful if somebody gives you something that might contain one of these, which again, they're fairly small and can be slipped into just about anything. When it comes to just being safe out and about on the internet and all of that, don't use your real name on social media. that's a bad idea. I wish I would have known that years and years and years ago. a little too late for me. Don't use your GPS to tag the photos that you take and then post online. We talked about that way, way early, in random thoughts on a privacy episode. A lot of people don't realize some of these services online, where you post the photo and can share if the GPS is on on your phone when you're taking the photo. That location is embedded in the information in the photo. And anybody that can then download the photo can find out your GPS information. Don't use your real name. If you work in a customer-forward business, you know, if you're a clerk, if you're a waitress, waiter, be very careful about using even your real first name because it's easy to track people down with just the slightest amount of information. At this time, technology is great for so many things, but it also has made it really hard to have privacy and to keep the stalkers at bay. These little AirTag-type devices, if somebody knows what car is yours, it's easy to attach it to a car. It's easy to attach it to just about anything. So be aware that these things exist. I'm not saying you have to be completely and utterly and totally paranoid, though it doesn't hurt to realize that if somebody is trying to track you down, if somebody is trying to keep tabs on you, it's fairly easy to do. Don't give anybody access to your phone as well, because that is the ultimate tracking device. If somebody can get into your phone and they know what they're doing, there are apps that you can put on to the devices. That will basically do the same thing as these air tags and tile devices, which is report your location back to any time the people ask for them. And of course, the devices with the phones, with the apps that you can put on those, the spy apps, can do a lot more than just give your location. They can mirror your texting. They can mirror your call logs. All sorts of different things. They can turn on the microphone and listen in. What's going on? Turn the camera on. So be aware that these devices should not be left unattended. You should not give somebody your unlocked phone, just like, oh, can I make a call? I need to check something. Be careful, be vigilant, and don't be a victim. Now, it seems like we're all victims. What a segue, right? From the Washington Examiner, Biden Flation. Thank you, Joe is costing the average family at this point about $5,000 a year more than just a year ago. You know, before Biden came into the presidency, although he still thinks it's Kamala Harris. He called her President Harris again. Somebody should really get Joe checked. But inflation at a 40-year high and $5,000 a year is not something the average family can absorb. It's definitely something people are feeling in the pocketbooks. Credit card bills going up, up, and up, paying the interest rates on those, people just going further and further into debt. It's not a good sign for the Democrats when it comes to the midterms. And I just want to say if you're still going to vote Democratic for the midterm, reach out to me and let me know why when you see Bidenflation, when you see empty store shelves, when you hear about the supply chain problems of ships just off the coast of California that can't get the goods into the country, when you hear that we were energy independent, but Biden shut down the pipelines, explain to me why you would continue to support that. Because I just don't get it. 40-year high An extra $5,000 a year, that is not a minor amount. And now there was another story, which I found intriguing, although not surprising. And this comes to payment apps. In this case, it was mainly on Venmo. But the Biden administration now has changed the legalities of all sorts of different things. And anybody that makes over $600 a year in Venmo in what they're calling commercial payments, I guess maybe there's a way, I don't know. Can you track personal or commercial? But it's going to be like, hey, well, no, you owe money. That was income. You have to pay taxes on it. Something like eBay's doing it all right. PayPal's doing it. Last year, I got the tax form from PayPal because once there's over X amount of transactions, And I think it was like 200 or so. And, you know, fortunately, it was great that we've gotten over 200 donations to the different podcasts that I do. But then they're like, hey, you got to pay taxes on it, which you have to anyway. Taking the money on the app does not change a darn thing. If you take money in, if you make income, you have to report it to the federal government. I know it's a crazy system. This changes nothing except the fact that the app is now going to report you to the government and you're going to have to pay those taxes. I mean, unless you want to go to jail or have the IRS on your ass. Maybe you do. I don't know. But to me, this has nothing to do at all with the app because all of these apps are under the same regulations. It's not just Venmo, but it's the way people comprehend the law That just kind of makes me laugh. According to Venmo in their FAQ, what are the new reporting requirements? Quote, starting the 2022 tax year, the IRS will require reporting of payment transactions for goods and services sold that meets or exceeds $600 in a calendar year. Anyone who receives at least $600 in payments for goods and services through Venmo or any other payment app can expect to receive a Form 10. 99 K. This requirement only pertains to payments received for sales of goods and services and does not apply to friends and family payments. And then the fact goes on to show that it used to be $20,000 or 200 transactions that would trigger the tax form. Now again, $600 in the calendar year. There was a Fox News article on this, which I thought had just a bunch of hilarious quotes from Venmo users. The first quote, honestly, I'm using Venmo because there's no taxes. And if it starts to have taxes, I'm not using it anymore. Well, moron, taxes are taxes. It doesn't matter if you use Venmo or anything else. Sorry. Wow, that sucks. Stuart Lopez, a busker, told Fox News after learning of the change because Quote, he really needs that money. The IRS finds its way into everything, the musician continued. Someday they're going to start telling me to pay some of my money from the cash. Well, you do realize legally you have to do that, Stuart Lopez. You're taking money in. It doesn't matter that it's cash. The app has no change in how you're supposed to deal with income. This is why they're doing it, because people do not pay taxes where they're supposed to pay taxes. Thus, the government has to continue to get further and further ingrained into your business to track every little thing because people like you are not paying taxes on the money that you bring in. It doesn't matter that you're out there busking. I mean, I hate it too, but every dollar that comes into the Random Thoughts podcast or the Unrelenting podcast that I do with Jean Nev or the Planet Rage podcast that I do with Larry Blydner, or the rock and roll pre-show that I do, all of that gets reported to the federal government because I don't want the IRS on my ass. If you do, that's up to you. But to say you're going to stop using an app because they have to now start producing a tax form for goods and services that you're selling, then I kind of think you're an idiot. The problem you have is not with Venmo. The problem you have is with the federal government and Joe Biden's administration. So again, if you're going to vote Democratic in the 2022 midterms, let me know why. Because uh, I still want to know. But there is some good news, some interesting news, especially for everybody out there who likes cannabis, everybody out there who likes CBD. There have been a couple of studies that seem to show that the compounds found in cannabis prevent COVID-19 from penetrating healthy human cells. This, according to a lab study published in the Journal of Nature Products, it says the two compounds commonly found in hemp called CBGA and CBDA were identified during a chemical screening effort as having potential to combat coronavirus, this, according to researchers from Oregon State University, they bind to the spike protein found on the virus and blocked a step the pathogen uses to infect people. So that's a plus. It's always good to see that the science is moving forward. We don't have answers to so many questions like how long do the vaccines last? Do masks actually work? All of this stuff. It's nice to see some clinical studies on things that say, well, yes, this appears to work this. They were doing not person to person. This is very early research because this was just in lab tests. But it's interesting to see the things that they are looking at in order to keep this virus at bay or to prevent further coronaviruses and viruses like this. And maybe it helps. Maybe it works. Anybody out there smokes a lot of weed that didn't get coronavirus, let me know. I mean, I know it's not exactly scientific, but perhaps there is a connection there, and it'll be interesting to follow that one as well. I do want to say before we thank some people for today's show that I finished watching season one of Veronica Mars, and it was a pretty satisfying season, so I'm not going to curse you anymore. Andrew Scott for suggesting that show. actually, a really well written show deals with a lot of adult themes, some very dark themes, but most of it kind of resolved in a very non creepy manner there was a There was a whole lot of uh possibilities throughout that season that uh, some things were just a little bit out there and uh, Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I know it's back from what, 2004, and I don't want to give you any spoilers if you're going to go watching. I will say season one, quite satisfying, and we're glad we took that ride. And we'll go through and see how the next few seasons are. I mean, it's better than anything on TV right now. At least I think so. But we do work on the value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast, which means we put these shows out there. They're not behind a paywall, you get to listen to them and decide if you had any value whatsoever that you can put a number on that and get that value back to us in a variety of ways, mainly by going to randomthoughts.com slash donate, clicking that donate button to a one-time or monthly donation, use the QR codes or wallet addresses to do the crypto thing, the P.O. box address if you want to go the snail mail route, and if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, you can boost us right now by clicking boost. And if you don't have one of those apps, go to newpodcastapps.com and get on board. But we do have three people to thank for today's show. No notes with any of them. But coming in at $25, anonymous. Coming in with a check. Thank you very much. Coming in with $6.66. No, not Stu Coates. It's Johnny Hipwell. So now I guess we get like double satanic or something like that. I don't know. Does like two satanic donations become an angelic donation? Or does that just mean I'm dually cursed? I'm not sure. I'll have to check that out. And coming in with $5, our buddy Graham Stanton, F Cancer. Hope you're doing well and hope everything is good in the land down under. Haven't heard much lately, which is either a really good sign or a really bad sign as the world, I think, starts to realize that prevention and hiding from a virus is no longer going to be possible. People are going to need to learn to live with the virus and quite simply get back to living. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I know there's a lot of things you can be listening to, and it's an honor that you're checking out this podcast and/or the other ones that I do. You can always reach out to me, Darren T-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com follow me on Twitter. I was dumb. Use my real name, Darren O'Neill. And you can follow me on No Agenda Social, Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.